The House of Representatives finally finds a Speaker of the House, and he's a good one. Now, what is he going to do with it? Who knows? Jamal Bowman faces the long arm of justice, or not, because he's a Democrat. And fat people are ringing in their demands for restaurants. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you had a great day yesterday. Let's get straight to the news, because there's quite a bit of it. All right. Let's get to the news. Not all of it's good. Okay, so there was a mass shooter in Maine last night. Uh, Again, the shooter's name is Robert Card. He used to be a shooting instructor and an army reservist. Apparently, he had some serious mental illness. He was hearing voices in his head. Uh, This summer, he was actually put into a mental institution for two weeks to see if he was a danger, and of course, they obviously let him out. So this guy was carrying, looks like an AR-15 through the pictures, and he first went to a bar and started shooting, and then went to a bowling alley and started shooting. Shooting. Uh, reports of the dead is still fluid. We still don't really know. I mean, last night it was 22 dead, over 30 injured, Today, the official count right now is 18 dead and 13 injured, though the injures, injured seem to go up to about 50. Um, I believe it's probably closer to 50 than it is the 13, but that's what the official call is right now. Uh, this guy got away. He is running around. Now, reality is, chances are he's killed himself. Um, probably why they can't find him right now. Maine is on lockdown. People are being told to stay away from this guy. He is a trained gunman. Um, flags were ordered at half staff. Now, I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised. So this guy, this guy's a white guy. Um, I don't know who he killed. So there hasn't been a lot of politicization of this right off the bat, especially on Twitter. Twitter, you're not seeing anything. They're not really saying too much about gun control or about him being a white supremacist or anything like that. I think one of the reasons, and the media was questioning the police this morning about this, I think one of the reasons is this guy had some serious mental issues. And the hospitals knew it, the local government knew it, the state knew it, the federal government knew it, and he still had guns. And I think one of the reasons a lot of people aren't bringing... I mean, I would have expected to hear something from AOC. I didn't see anything from her. Cory Bush, Joe Biden, I expected to... He didn't. Um, even the governor of Maine, who is a left-winger, she didn't say anything about it. And I think one of the reasons is because the state and the federal government f this one up. That he was already in the bureaucracy, he was already red flagged as a danger, and he still was allowed to keep his guns. Again, this shows you that you can't depend on the government to to take care of mass shootings. They're not going to do it. They suck at it. And the reason they suck at it, you the reason you can tell they suck at taking care of it is because they say they need to take care of it. Of course, I told Josie about this shooting uh, this morning, and Josie said, well, 
they should have marked him and they should have taken away his guns. And I said, well, yeah, they were supposed to. And then she said, well, maybe the government should have a list of who has guns. And I said, uh, so in other words, you want to give the government more power, even though they F this up. So in other words, the government F this whole thing up. So let's give the government more power by knowing, like, for example, that I have guns. And by the way, they, they know I have guns. I know they know. I, there's no point even hiding it anymore. So that was my question to her, and she had no answer. I said, and I told her, this is the problem with the government. The government Fs up and then says, well, in order to solve these problems because of our F-ups, you need to give us more power. And then guess what's going to happen? Let's just say we do give them a list of everyone that has guns. What good is that going to do? It's not going to do anything. They knew this guy had guns. And they knew this guy was at, had mental problems. And they didn't do anything. What is the benefit of them knowing that I have guns? Well, of course, there is none. It's to take them away. That's what the benefit is. So we'll, we'll hold off on that one. It's still going. I'm pretty sure they're going to find this guy dead. Because this guy, eventually those little voices in his head are going to tell him to kill himself. Um... It's just a real tragedy. And by the way, uh, Maine of all, all states, you're not going to see gun control in Maine. This isn't, gonna, this isn't suddenly going to bring gun control to Maine. Maine is, a very, is very right-wing when it comes to... It's a left-wing state, sort of. It's actually a very moderate state. But for the most part, everyone and their mother owns a gun in Maine. And the only thing they can't do is like carrying them around. So to sit back and say that Maine is going to implement gun control, that's not going to happen. Not if, that, not if that governor wants to stay in office. The governor, by the way, is a left-wing Democrat. So, But that's not going to happen. Okay, so the House of Representatives elected a new speaker. The guy is Mike Johnson from uh, Louisiana. Mike Johnson is a second-term congressman. Uh, very conservative. Socially conservative, fiscally conservative. Uh, he is not liked by the Democrats. He has no problems calling out the Democrats. He's done it all four years he's been in Congress. He's done it. Um, and you can tell the Democrats don't like him. Uh, they keep yelling about how he is a Trump supporter, which he is, and how he is a election denier. He's not an election denier. He basically sued uh, the country for the right reasons. He sued the country back in 2020, not because of one incident of voter fraud. He sued the country at the time because he said that all of these states that Trump lost had changed their laws right before the election, and all of those legal changes were unconstitutional. And by the way, he won some of those. He wasn't wrong about that. He wasn't denying the election. He was saying, you can't just change the election rules, all the rules that... that all the rules, by the way, that favor Democrats and then not have a question on, on what's going on. And he was right. He did actually win a couple of times. And if Trump had went in this direction, Trump probably would have been better instead of sitting there and saying, well, Philadelphia screwed up the counts in, in um, Pennsylvania. Well, that was the problem Trump had. Trump should have actually gone out and said, hey, the entire process... Philadelphia screwed up because, or Pennsylvania screwed up because they changed all their, all their laws. 
Uh, Wisconsin screwed up because they changed all their laws. Michigan changed all their laws. He could have said California changed all their laws. All this is unconstitutional. They can't do it. And, you know, but he didn't do that, and then he lost. So this is good. Uh, he's a good guy to have in office. Uh, will it matter? Probably not. I think one of the things he's, this guy is going to do, because he is fisc fiscally conservative too. I mean, the Heritage Foundation has him at a 90%. That is really high. McCarthy was at an 82%. Jim Jordan was at an 84%. Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise were at 84%. This guy is more conservative than either of them. So that, that's good. Um, the question is, is he going to be able to do anything? Well, a lot of things. Apparently, he is a talker. He, he does negotiate. Apparently, he does not put up with crap. Uh, so he will, work, he will work with Democrats, but he won't listen to their BS. A lot of people think that one of the things he's going to do is basically make it that instead of these omnibus packages, like especially the one with Israel, they have a pack, Joe Biden released a package that's going to go to Congress and now it's going to be voted on. And this package basically is $60 billion to Ukraine, $10 billion to Israel, $10 billion to the border, and, 10, and $3 billion to something else. I mean, it's just, again, it's, you know, Here's the thing, and, and of course the Democrats will do this if you vote against that bill, because you don't want to give $60 billion to Ukraine. Then they'll say, the Democrats will say, well, you're anti-Semitic because you're voting against Israel. I think what this guy will end up doing is he'll sit there and he'll say, listen, um, you need to separate the Ukraine bill, the Israel bill, the border bill, and we need to vote individually on all of that. I think that's really what he's going to push for, and he's already said he's going to do it. He had a great speech yesterday. Uh, he said it was a good pick. I think it was a good pick. Okay, and let's get to our last news story. Squad member, uh, Democrat Representative Jamal Bowman of New York has pled guilty in a D.C. Superior Court charge to illegally pulling the fire alarm in the House office building during the time that the Congress was voting on uh, voting to expand the debt ceiling. Uh, it was a felony. It was pled down to a misdemeanor, of course. He said it was an accident, of course. By the way, this guy was this guy's claim to be a representative in Congress is that he was a high school principal. You mean to tell me a high school principal doesn't know what a fire alarm looks like? Yeah, we all know it's bullshit, but I mean, that's what it is. So this guy basically will get a $1,000 fine, no jail time, and probation for three months. After that three months, this conviction will be um, will be wiped from his record. Now, I don't know. I'm more than four years old, so I seem to remember January 6th. January 6th, there are people who walk through the house received 17 years for trespassing. Well, that's an exaggeration. Usually two to five years for trespassing. The guys who received 17 years, yeah, they probably deserved it. We need to take, they didn't deserve it, but they, they deserve some time. Okay. And all this because they were, there was an insurrection trying to stop the government from doing government business. 
And by the way, what was that insurrection? Well, I mean, they had to delay the vote certification for two hours. So people who are people are receiving seven, five-year, ten-year prison sentences for delaying a vote for two hours. By the way, on this debt ceiling, how long did Jamal Bowman's stunt delay the vote? Two hours. Why isn't he getting 17 years in prison? He meant to do it. Why isn't he even going to court? And why are you why are you pleading him down to a misdemeanor that will be expunged from his record in three months? By the way, where's the federal government? This is two felonies, by the way, not one. First, it's a felony within the D- Washington, D.C. circuit, within that, that district. So it's a felony, local felony. And then it's a federal felony because he set this thing off in Congress. So where's the federal charges? I'm sorry, this mother, this mother needs to do time in jail. This, hey, if not prison. What he did was illegal. He, I mean, the, the, he should at least get charged what it cost them to you know, make sure that there was no fire at the time. Because this cleared the entire building of Congress for two hours. As far as I'm concerned, that's enough reason to at least charge him the millions of dollars it cost to to clear that building, to do all the checks they needed to do, to reset the fire alarm. It they he should charge them charge him for the two hours of wasted time that the congressman had to do. In other words, two hours of their salary he should be charged. He's not gonna get any of it. Heck, they're they're talking, oh well what I mean, he should be expelled from Congress. He should this is a this is high crimes and misdemeanors. I mean Yes, it's a misdemeanor. It's still a high mis- It's still a misdemeanor. He should be expelled from Congress. He won't be. I mean, nothing will happen to him. They're talking about censuring censuring him, but they're not going to do that because they just don't do that. Okay, let's get to our dumbass of the day. Okay, this is a winner. If you go to my if you go to my Rumble account, dumbasses talking politics at Rumble, um, this is a gal I have on all the time, and she's basically a fat activist or a fat phobia activist. I don't know. Now this gal stands probably about five foot five or something, and she weighs easily three hundred pounds. She's gigantic, and what she does is she does these TikTok videos because you know TikTok, and she says what businesses and what what certain areas of industry can do to work with fat people and make them more comfortable for inclusion of course okay not that you know she watches a video on what on with fitness people and they tell her what she can do not to be so fat but she tells people she tells people what to do now on Rumble, I think one of the videos I have, and there's a bunch of fat ones on, on Rumble, I think one of the things she was interviewing was hotels. So she would give hotels advice on how to make things more comfortable. So for example, and a lot of it's got a ton of hypocrisy. It's just kind of like, okay, well, we've made it easier for you, but we've made it more difficult for everybody else. Okay, so for example, in a hotel rooms, make wider hallways she actually wants hotels to 
build wider hallways and bigger elevators because she's fat. I, seriously. So forget about the fact that, well, first off, you have to basically rebuild a building and remove rooms, which is not going to be convenient to normal-sized people. She, we're, That doesn't matter. You got to tear down the building and rebuild it and make sure that her fat ass can get through a hallway. But another thing, just to show you the hypocrisy, is she, and by the way, I, I, I do have sympathy for fat people, but it only goes to a point. When you got dumbasses like this, this that are sitting there and touting this crap because she doesn't want to lose some weight. And by the way, this fat broad, she actually has videos where she's eating like a horse. So she, her, she's fat not because she has some sort of problem with her, with her pituitary gland. She's fat because she likes to eat. All right, let's call it what it is. So one of the areas with the hotel that I think is just like, what? She wanted people to raise the bed so that the bed can be higher because she can't bend down bend her fat ass down comfortably into most beds. Now, you can see the hypocrisy because, you know, a lot of people have kids. So if you raise the size of the bed, you're actually making it inconvenient for kids. You're also making it dangerous for older people because if they're too high, they can fall easier. But she doesn't care about any of that, okay? It's all about her. So let's listen to this crazy bitch. If you've ever been uncomfortable in a restaurant because of your size, I know the struggle. And that's why I'm making today's video. Today's video is all about how restaurants can be more size inclusive and accessible for people of all sizes and abilities. With this video, I hope to educate some restaurant owners so that they can make their restaurants more size inclusive and accessible. Here are my 10 solutions for how restaurants can create a more inclusive environment. Solution number one, comfortable seating. Restaurants should provide spacious and sturdy chairs without armrests so that people of all sizes can dine comfortably. Solution number two, flexible table arrangements. Offer adjustable table configurations with ample space in between so people in larger bodies can navigate everything comfortably. Solution number three, accessible restrooms. Ensure restrooms are spacious and can comfortably accommodate plus size individuals and those with disabilities. Solution number four, reservation flexibility. Allow guests to request seating preferences during the reservation process. This will allow people to choose seating that suits their needs. Solution number five, provide key information on your website. Provide key information like table configurations, seat dimensions, chair weight capacities, and more on your website where it's easily accessible. Solution number six, ensure that your tables are not secured to the ground. Make sure they can be moved to make room for individuals who might need more space. Solution number seven, offer more room in booth seating. Make sure that there's plenty of space to move around between the table and booth seat. This will ensure that people of various body sizes can sit there and be comfortable. Solution number eight, staff training. Train staff on what type of accommodations can help plus size individuals have a better experience. Solution number nine, outdoor dining. If you've got an outdoor dining area, make sure you have some chairs without armrests and opt for chairs that do not have metal grating. This is a small change that can create a more open and inclusive atmosphere. And last but not least, solution 10, showcase photos. Consider showcasing photos of your typical seating and table setups on your website. It helps people plan ahead and sets the stage for a comfortable and welcoming dining experience. And these are just some of the ways that restaurants can become more size-friendly and inclusive. Check out my blog at the top of my profile for more. She forgot number 11. Uh, number 11 should be offer more salads with low-fat dressing. That's what, really what she should. Uh, you know, and number 12, I should lose weight. That should be, uh, 
everything she just mentioned. Notice the, the convenience. Who's the convenience for? Remove chairs with armrests? I like chairs with armrests. I like it. That way I don't put my elbows on the table. That's why a lot of high class restaurants offer chairs with armrests. So you can rest your elbows on the chair and not on the table. And make larger booths. The reason they make larger booths, if they made larger booths, it means there are going to be less booths. How about your ass loses some weight? Everything costs the restaurant more money. Trains staff how to deal with fat people? Isn't the staff busy enough learning how to, you know, wait tables, learning how to, uh, learning the menu? Basically, staff has to learn a menu every day at most upper, middle, middle upper class restaurants. So now they got to learn how to deal with a fat person? By the way, what's hysterical about this video, if you go if you go to Dumbass to Talk in Politics and you look at the video, the gal has obviously the camera right in front of her. She basically covers the entire screen. She looks like Jabba the Hutt. And I'm sorry, it's these people I cannot tolerate. I, I will not tolerate. I have no reason to tolerate. Everyone says, oh, you're being fat phobic. No, I'm not being fat phobic. I don't care if you're fat. I feel bad for you if you're fat. Because this gal, this gal... By the time the restaurants do every restaurants and hotels do everything she wants, she'll be dead because she's going to end up with a in a diabetic coma. She's going to end up with a heart attack. This gal, I guarantee you, and you see this because she did another video where she's walking on a plane and she can't get through the aisle because her fat ass, because of her fat ass. And then instead of saying, "God, I really <laughs> probably should lose some weight here," she decides to bitch about the airplane. The airplane's not big enough. Oh, I got news to you. The airplane's not big enough. I'm surprised the airplane stays in the air. And they don't have to keep the entire right side of the airplane clear because she's sitting on the left side. I know. I'm being rude. I don't care. I, I just, I'm so sick and tired of all this, um, all this inclusivity BS. It's just so old. Okay, so I, I said we were reading yesterday an article from the Washington Post called America Does Not Need More God. It Needs More Atheists by Kate Cohen. And we, we, I said I was going to go through this article, and I thought it was important to go through this article. And I want to finish it because, and, and by the way, I'm only going through a third of the article. The article has got to be about uh, seven, eight pages long. It's really long. But the rest of the article is basically st statistics she's pulling out of her ass. So I don't see any room for it. And there's nothing really extreme. I'll talk about that at the end. So let's review what we talked about yesterday. So this broad who said she was a Jew, but she's not, actually was never really a Jew, got the idea that she's an atheist from her kids. And I, of course, I mentioned that if you're getting information about your religious beliefs from your kids, you're obviously an idiot because your kids shouldn't be teaching you much of anything, much less a core belief like religion. It just tells me she was already an atheist. She just didn't have the balls to say she was an atheist. Okay. And by the way, her being an atheist, not raising her kids well. And then she gave four reasons why religion is bunk. The first, uh, first reason was Greek myths, North myths, and L. Ron Hubbard are made up stuff. And that we should expand on that to say that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are bullshit too. 
which is kind of like, what? Number two, she said that holy books have been debunked by, quote, facts, end quote. And by the way, the, the quotes she puts that in there, disproved by science, and that, quote, morality, end quote, now is disavowed by modern adherence. And I said, well, yeah, abortion is considered something evil by religious people, and it's still evil, but you guys consider it not evil. And as far as science goes, the Bible, the Koran, the the um, Torah, they're not science books. They're philosophy books. They're books on human nature. They're books on natural law. So to sit there and say that is stupid. The third reason was life is confusing and death is scary. And then I pointed out, well, life is life is confusing and death is scary if you're not religious or if you're religious. That doesn't change. But basically, these texts tell you how to live even through when life is scary and when you're close to death and that there is something more and that the atheist attitude is actually the worst attitude because there's no reason to live a good life. There's no reason to live morally There's because you're just going to die. You're a bag of meat and you're just going to die. And finally, number four, she said child rape and war, like every war out there has been because of child rape. Every war out there has been because of religion, which is obviously just stupid. Okay, and then she goes into um, how being an atheist is so much work. And I sat back and I, I thought to myself, well, then you don't have to go through all that work. And I pointed all the, you can just be an atheist. But she doesn't want to be an atheist. She wants to make sure religion goes away. So for me, it was atheists are making work for themselves. And then I want to point out that atheism is a religion. It really is. Okay, so let's get to this this next section um, of the book. And let's go through it. So continuing with, with this, continuing with the article. But when I had children, when it hit me that I was responsible for teaching my children everything, I wanted, above all, to tell them the truth. Their first atheist lesson was completely impromptu. Noah five, or Jesse was, Noah was five, Jesse was three, and we were sitting on a couch before bed reading a book of, book of myth, Greek myths, a holdover from my childhood bookshelf. One of the boys asked about what a myth was, and I told him it was a story about how the world works. Um, that's, no, that's not what a myth is. A myth is something that was ba- is based on some sort of reality, but it actually has never actually happened. A myth is, uh, let's see, a myth is defined. A myth is defined as a traditional, typically ancient story dealing with supernatural beings, ancestors, or heroes that serves a fundamental type of worldview of the people as by explaining aspects of the natural world or delineating psychology, customs, or ideals of society. So it is not about gods. The myths, the Greek myths were definitely, if the Greek myths were about gods, uh, the Greek gods were terrible people. I mean, Zeus, one of his children, was through a rape. Okay, now, again, back then, yes, that's what they did. 
but that wasn't healthy for a society. That's just how the society lived back then. The Greek society went under, and it basically went under because they did follow these rules. Okay, and by the way, that's a big difference between reason and morality, which the the Greeks had a lot of reason, but no real core morality. They really didn't have a core religion. They were they were more of a secular group of people. Socrates, uh, Plato, Aristotle, those are all examples. They really didn't talk much about God. It wasn't until Aristotle came out with his book of ethics where morality was kind of touched upon. Socrates was Socrates and Plato, they believed in the caste system. They believed in slavery. They believed in discrimination. So you you can't necessarily say that this is the kind of society you want to live under. By the way, that society doesn't work. It always crashes. Continuing, one of the boys asked what a myth was, and I told him it was a story about how the world works. People used to believe that these gods were in charge of what happened on Earth, and these stories helped explain things they didn't understand, like winter or the stars or thunder. See, I flipped ahead and found a picture. Zeus has a thunderbolt. They don't believe them anymore? No, I said. That's why they called it a myth. When people still call believe it, they call it religion. I like, like the stories about God and Moses that we read at Passover or the ones about Jesus and Christmas. Okay, first off, um, Moses, actually there's enough evidence that Moses existed. And the reason there's enough evidence is because the Palestinians said Moses existed. Uh, Jacob, Abraham, there is enough evidence. People who hated the Jews historically wrote, the Egyptians wrote about Moses. So Moses existed. Okay, Jesus existed. There is very little doubt Jesus existed. And usually the doubts come from people from the left. Jesus was a myth. Jesus was not a myth. As a matter of fact, there is written evidence that Jesus committed miracles, performed miracles. There is written evidence of it. Where do these written evidence come from? The Romans. It doesn't. The Romans were very good at writing. They were very good at writing, keeping things down. The Romans used to, to say Jesus was a threat because he was performing miracles. He was becoming dangerous. He was becoming the rebel. And they wanted to kill him. The Romans wanted to kill him. They were just afraid the Jews would, would uprise. So to sit there and say Jesus and Moses and Abraham were myths, that's being a little short-sighted. Because the chances are they, well, Jesus we know existed. But the chances are Moses, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, all those guys probably existed. And there's a lot of evidence that they did. The little pajama-clad bodies nodded, and on we read. See, this is, this is a fact. She was already an atheist. And she's already teaching the kids about atheism. That was a big moment. That was it, the big moment. It was probably also the easiest moment. Well, I mean, it's the easiest moment because she's already an atheist. And now she's just admitting it. That's all it is. Before one son became preoccupied with death, before the other son had to decide whether to be bar mitzvahed, before my daughter looked up from her math homework 
one day to ask, how do we know there's no God? Religion offers many many ready-made answers to our most difficult questions. It gives, okay, first off, we don't know there's a God. Do you know who believed in God? Because she, she's a big science person. Einstein. Um, Gal, Galilei. Darwin. Galileo. Darwin. Michelangelo. Da Vinci. All of the greatest inventors and scientists in history believed in God. Very few scientists in the scientists who don't believe in God have been around for the last 50 years. And that's because philosophy has tried to destroy God. Well, here's a newsflash. There's plenty of philosophy that proves God. I have a philosophy that proves God. Religion offers ready-made answers to our most difficult questions. It gives people ways to mark time, celebrate, and mourn. Once I vowed to teach my children anything I did not personally believe, I had come up with new answers. But I discovered as I went what most parents discover. You can figure, out, figure it out as you go. Well, well that's true. You, you can do that. Okay. Again, let's not confuse the fact that the Bible gives you answers. That, they, that is just such a load of shit. The Bible doesn't give you many answers. It, it really doesn't. It gives you rules on how to live through natural life, through natural laws. Okay, it teaches about natural laws. The rights of the Constitution were based off natural law. For example, free speech. Well, I mean, if you're really not allowed to speak your mind, um, you wouldn't be able to speak your mind. But you are, you do speak your mind. You can speak your mind. Now that that can be, and we see this today especially, that can be suppressed. But that doesn't mean you can't speak your mind. Uh, books like We, which is a, a, a fantastic book, I'll talk about that one, it is actually the predecessor to Brave New World. But We, Brave New World, um, um, 1984, these are books that show that a person can, can be suppressed, but that doesn't mean he doesn't believe in something that's against the state. That he can be suppressed, but that doesn't mean that secretly he won't say what he thinks. In other words, natural law gives you the ability to say whatever you want. These are, that's why it's made a right in the United States. Natural law allows you to protect yourself. It allows you to protect yourself from tyranny. Revolutions, riots, things like that. These are minor revolutions, okay? are minor ways of protecting yourself from tyranny. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. I'm not saying I'm for riots. I'm not for riots. I'm for revolution. I have no problem with revolutions. If you're fighting against the tyranny, yeah, it, it seems to make sense. I mean, we became the United States of America through a revolution. But you have a right to protect yourself against from others, against other ideologies, and against government tyranny. That's why the Second Amendment is there. The right to bear arms shall not be infringed. In other words, the government doesn't have a right to take it away. But see, we get confused. Or I don't get confused. Probably you don't either. We get confused on what is a right. For example, you have a right to have an abortion. 
You don't have a right to have an abortion. It actually goes against rights. It goes against natural law. To go out and kill something is not a natural right. Let's just imagine 3,000 years ago when we didn't know about abortion. It was the natural law was to have the baby. It is unnatural to kill your baby within the womb. But that's where these people confuse it. Uh, again, healthcare is another real common, just regular healthcare. Go to a doctor. Going to a doctor is not a right. And the founding fathers didn't make it a right. The founding fathers actually discussed that. Okay? Healthcare is not a right. Do you know why it's not a right? Because you have to pay somebody to help you, it's a service. It's a service that someone has to master and a service that someone has to perform, and that's not free. You have to pay for that. If you didn't have to pay for that service, guess what? That guy ends up being a slave. I thought we fought against that. So the doctor ends up being a slave. The doctor should say, yeah, I can cure your appendix. It's going to cost you $500. If the government says, no, you have to do that for free, that's slavery. That's modern-day slavery. And that's what the Democrats are pushing. Okay, continue. Establishing a habit of honesty did not sap the delight of my children's lives or destroy their moral compass. Yes, it did. It actually did. It destroyed their moral compass. They don't have a moral compass. The problem with children... Okay, I'll continue here. I suspect it made my family closer than we would have been had my husband and I pretended to our children that we believed in things we did not. We sowed honesty and reaped trust, along with intellectual challenge, emotional sustenance, and joy. Here's the reality. Um, children don't have a moral compass. And the reason they don't have it is they're uncivilized. And a parent's job is to develop civilization with a child and part of that civilization is to develop a moral compass. Nothing develops that better than um, religion. Or at least basing it off religion. So that's the whole thing. Now, you, you don't have to go to... You can have a religious engine built within you without being actually religious or what they call spiritual. It's a different thing. But you can be spiritual without being religious and actually teach your kids the way to, how to have a moral compass. But the problem is our kids not having that religious base, our kids are not having families anymore. And by the way, that's one of the arguments against this. Through this entire article, all of the article, the entire article, she never mentions why it is good to be an atheist in the United States. Why it is good that the United States not be atheistic. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay, let's finish this section here. Those are all personal rewards. By the way, the intellectual challenge, emotional sustenance, and joy. What's happening here is atheism is actually being spread inside of a bubble, the bubble of the atheist family. Um, intellectual challenge. If you're intellectually challenged by your 10-year-old, you got a problem. You're not that intellectual. Emotional sustenance. Um, kids don't need emotional sustenance. What kids need is reason. Kids don't 
have emotion. Have kids have nothing but emotion. They don't need more emotion. They need intellectual reason and joy. And again, we talked about joy yesterday. Um, hey, newsflash: the goal of religion is not joy. The goal of re- religion is not happiness. Joy and happiness come from leading a fulfilled moral life. That's where joy and happiness come from. I mean, there are going to be times you're not joyous and you're not happy. The problem with the atheist, they don't know how to deal with it once they hit that moment. When my son died, when my son died, um, I, I fell into God. The Bible, I went to church, things like that. And I fell into God. And it's because there's this realization that this is life. This is how it works. Bad things are going to happen to you. And the moral right thing to do is move on and continue on. Atheists don't have that. When bad things happen, then they start blaming somebody. And then they start blaming the world. They blame the drugs. They blame whatever. Which is, by the way, Half the reason you see so much despair with atheism. Atheism. So much despair. Continuing. My children know how to distinguish from fact from fiction. No, they don't. Children do not know how to distinguish between fact from fiction. That's why you have so many children that, that are little boys that think they're little girls. They do, they do not know. They need to be taught. A 10-year-old does not know fact from fiction. Which is harder for children raised religious. They don't assume conventional wisdom is true, and they do expect arguments to be based on evidence, which means, okay, that is a weird one. They don't assume conventional wisdom is true, and they do expect arguments to be based on evidence, which means they have skills to be engaged, informed, and savvy citizens. We need citizens like that. Um, See, here's the problem. Uh, they don't assume conventional wisdom is true. Okay, well, y- y- your point is to teach them why it's true. If you can't out-debate a kid as to why a man cannot be a woman, you've got a problem. If you can't out-debate a kid as to why abortion is wrong, you've got a problem. The problem also is that these kids, these people actually believe in that crap that abortion is a good thing and that a man can be a woman so and then if someone points that out they call him a racist sexist homophobe transphobe whatever that's what they do we don't need citizens like this we need citizens to be able to engage because it's people like this woman that do not engage that hide this from their kids okay now a couple of things that that are seemingly Correct. Uh, Human beings do need a moral base. Um, Without a moral base, there's nothing but anarchy. We are seeing that in our world right now. Nietzsche and Dostoevsky, two secular... Nietzsche was a complete atheist. They still believed that living in a secular society, God was necessary. When Nietzsche sat back and said that... And I wanted to bring Nietzsche up because he's always pointed to by leftists. Nietzsche said God is dead. He didn't say that. I mean, read the four sentences after. He didn't say that as a good thing. He said that as a bad thing. 
He said without God, society will delve into chaos, anarchy. He said it is a sad thing. He did not think that that society could survive being atheist. He said people like him could survive being an atheist because he's an elite. He's so much smarter than everyone else. That's a problem with Nietzsche, by the way. He always thought he was so much better than anybody else. But he believed society needed God. And that without God, society would delve into chaos. Well, guess what? Uh, Guess what's happening right now? We are delving into chaos. All right, let's take a look. All right, well, that's it. I, I think I think we have we have pretty much what we need to talk about with this. I mean, it, it's it's about it. I, I will tell you one thing that that doesn't that doesn't is not discussed in this. I think her last line up here is pretty much the most important thing. It's intellectual a lot intellectual challenge, emotional sustenance, and joy, happiness, and emotions are satisfied. That's what this article talks about with atheism. Atheism. It doesn't talk about what is good about atheism to society, except that you'll be really happy and your emotions will be fulfilled. What are the benefits of a atheistic society? She doesn't really discuss that. So, for example, I will tell you the benefits of having a secular society, uh, the 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 bad things about a secular society, uh, despair, confusion, chaos. Um, I, I mean, we see it already. I, we, we have uh, euthanasia, euthanasia is a big thing. Eugenics is coming back. Abortion is eugenics. Cutting off your kid's balls, that's part of eugenics. You are making that kid extinct. He's not going to grow. Um, uh, uh, drugging your kid, eugenic, abortion, eugenics, euthanasia, eugenics. That's all eugenics. That's why I say the Democrat Party is the party of death. They want to kill society, and they're trying to they're trying to kill white society, Western civilization. Get rid of Western civilization. And, and that's what's happening. Drug use is way up. Suicide is way up. All, I think that's all because we become a secular society. I'm not secular. Most people aren't secular. Most people are religious. And by the way, you hear the bullshit with people. They sit back and say, well, I, I, I don't really practice a religion. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm spiritual. Yeah, you, then you're, then you're, an, uh, then you're, um, either an atheist or you just don't know if God exists, which means you, you just give or take God. You're, you're not spiritual if you, you're not religious. If you don't believe in a religion, you don't practice a religion, you're not religious. Okay? That's, I mean, I'm sorry, that's what it is. Religion is something you practice. I mean practice. And you don't practice it in your home. You don't practice it in church. It's with you 24-7 wherever you go. It is for me. I mean, if I'm if I'm thinking something that it's going to be a moral quandary while I'm out there, maybe I'm going to throw this out there because I've never had the desire to steal before in my life. But if I were going to shoplift something and I was thinking maybe I should just take that, 
I will, I will say no because my religion follows me. That's wrong. Or how about this? Here's a better one. I find a, a $50 bill right next to somebody who's standing there. I won't take that $50 bill and put it in my pocket. Finders keepers. No, I'll ask the guy, did you drop this? That's a moral thing that follows me. And that's from my religion. Because if I think that guy actually dropped the $50 bill and I don't give it back to him, that's stealing. So these are moral. For example, when I, another example, when I cross the street and I don't get hit by a car, believe it or not, I call that a miracle, especially the way people drive in San Diego. I, little things are miracles. These people talk about big things being miracles. No, it doesn't have to be a big thing being a miracle. Maybe I was running late to get to my Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and I somehow get there on time. Somehow get there on time. Or the bus comes on time. Or I get a ride on time. That's a miracle. Now, it's not going to be written in the Bible, but it is a miracle. And I think that's, that's a joyous thing. That is a joyous thing. When you do the right thing and you, you consistently do the right thing. And there are going to be times you don't. But when you consistently do the right thing, that's what leads to happiness. I can come home, lay in bed, and fall asleep. I can come home and, 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 and look myself in the mirror and not feel bad. I don't have to have my conscience being beaten up because I did the wrong thing. That's what leads to happiness. Not being an atheist means you're joy. You're joyous and you're happy. You're not happy if you're an atheist because what's the point of life? You have no point. There is no purpose. You're a bag of meat. You're going to die. Enter the black. There is nothing happy about it. And I got news to you. You can tell because all these people bitch and moan about religion. They always just go after people. They hate the fact that you actually are happy. Okay, I hope you guys have a great day. God bless. Believe it or not, I still cut that off by probably half. So go to, go to my website. You can read it on the Washington Post. I don't know if it's behind the paywall, but most of it is, well, about a third of it is written on my website at dumbassestalkpolitics.com. God bless you. There will be no podcast tomorrow. I'm actually moving. Take care. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.